let's start uh, over here since that's where the microphone already is. Let's go. Okay, what's your uh, understanding and opinion of heart rate training with strength training, if any? Where your heart rate should be, where it shouldn't be? This should is be exactly concerned. the kind of question I was talking about. about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how do we train for strength? By lifting heavy weights. Right, we lift heavy weights. And what's your heart rate when you train with heavy weights? It should be getting pretty up there if you're working hard. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. So, whatever your heart rate is, that's where it is. And then you get stronger, right? And your heart keeps up. So, I don't guess I really understand this question. Are, we, are, you, are you asking about training heart rate? Or what your heart rate should be when you're strength training, I'm which good. is irrelevant. Well, there's a lot of a lot of training facilities these days use heart rate monitors. Right. And some of them have strength days. Some of there them are have a lot of training days. facilities these days <clears throat> that do all kinds of stupid shit. Do you think it should be utilized at all with strength? Doesn't sound like it. What's the point? I don't know. I'm asking you if there's. No, I'm I telling you, there's. What would be the point? I, I, I can't hardly think of a point to do that. Okay. Right. Some people have little bitty hearts. Some people have great big hearts. Some people's heart rates are normally higher than other people's heart rates. Uh, we are doing a strength training program. We're not concerned with cardiac function. Mm -hmm. Did you die of a heart attack when you trained with strength for strength? No, you didn't. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I, you, you might as well have asked me about panning <laughs> while we're while we're training for strength. What do we do about our skin color while we're training for strength? You know, I, I need to be browner. I know I need the vitamin D, and I need to be browner. So do I go out and tan in between sets, or should I get my tan like you know in the <clears throat> afternoon before I train, or should I tan after I train, or what? How is one dependent on the other? I don't know. Is thought, heart rate? I thought you might. Is know. strength training? Well, I, I'm trying to fathom the, the point of the question here, Mark. The uh, typically, what will happen is, is you take a heavy set of five out of the rack. Your heart rate's already mildly elevated, right? Set of five lasts what? Twenty-five, thirty seconds, right? Goes back in the rack. In the in the rack. What's your heart rate? Should be pretty high. Should be close to your maximum if you're no. lifting a maximum heavy. Absolutely not. So where should it be? Oh, it'll be mildly elevated. Okay. Might be at seventy percent. And then it'll go up a little bit for the next fifteen, twenty seconds. Level off. Stay there for probably a minute, and then come back down. No, it's not going to. Uh, a set of five is not going to match your, anybody's heart rate out. So about 70%, would you say? Something I don't like know. Don't know. Okay. And I don't care. <laughs> because I'm not trying to train my heart rate. I'm trying to get strong. Mm. Right? Would it be I'm, a good indication of recovery? Uh, you mean between sets? Yeah. I mean, if you're, or over the week? No, the between sets. Your recovery between well, it's going to recover back down to probably <coughs> yeah. 
you know, slightly elevated. If your resting heart rate is 60, you know, when you go under the bar, it'll be probably 80, 85. It'll get up to 115, 125, 135, you know, during at the end of the set. Maybe, maybe not that high. Set only <laughs> takes 30 seconds. Right? And we're not doing anything that's dependent on cardiac output except staying conscious. Right? Set of five is a set of five dependent on cardiac output? No. So we're not even stressing that system, but in order to maintain <coughs> blood pressure under the set, we're going to have a cardiac response to the set. It's not a maximum cardiac response to the set. Blood pressure will peak five times during the set. During each one of the reps, you rack the bar, your heart rate, let's say it's up to 125, 135. You rack the bar. It goes up to 145 over the next 30 seconds to one minute. Slowly comes back down. Five minutes later, it's back down to 85 or 90. It's time to take the next set out of the rack. You do three sets like that. Your heart rate responds to it. Is that significant? Is heart rate the limiting factor in a set of five squats? No, I just wanted no. to know. No, it's not. So it's not. Uh, I don't. I still don't understand the question. I, I'm trying to deter. Are you trying to design a heart rate response to this program? No, but um, I work in a facility that uses heart rate monitors for all different types of workouts try to ignore those okay right now heart rate monitor on a prowler workout would be a real good deal but <laughs> novice lifters don't do prowler workouts mm -hmm. ice and insets for delayed onset muscle soreness just deal with it or because you're trying how to does ice help that's what i was saying i mean you're you're trying to ice is <clears throat> usually pointless now the only time i am aware of a useful purpose for ice is on a muscle belly tear an actual muscle belly injury ice is real useful for that because it shuts down it puts some vasoconstriction on the area and shuts down the bleeding makes it feel a little better but I think everybody has finally figured out after all these years that ice for tendonitis doesn't do a goddamn thing. Have you guys all figured that out yet? Been doing it for no reason. And finally one day it occurred to you, and this doesn't help at all. Right? How many of you figured that out? Yeah, most of you figured that out. We've been wasting a lot of time with ice. All those ice machines in the exercise physiology labs all over the country. They should sell that ice in Wichita Falls in August <laughs> for tea and stuff. But I, you know, it doesn't do anything. Now, if you tear a muscle belly, you need to get some ice on that. But for tendon injuries and just in general inflammation, it doesn't do anything. We've all figured that out the hard way. We've wasted a lot of time icing things. Like icing your back. There's still people floating around the idea that if you hurt your back, you should ice your back. 
right? Where is your back hurt? If you got a back tweak, where's the injury? Well, it's spinal. It's probably not disc, <coughs> although it might be. It's probably facet joint or intervertebral ligament or some other structure, right, that, that, that a small component of the spine that's causing this mechanical low back pain. How deep is that structure? How, how deep can you cool with an ice pack? No, I don't think you can cool an inch. I mean, you do have blood coming to the area. In fact, if you're trying to cool it off, one of the functions of, uh, of, of the body is it's going to try to rewarm that area with a, with a dilation. So if you've got a muscle belly tear, the ice may constrict the area of the injury. Ice might constrict the, the, the vasculature of the injury for a little while if it's a shallow enough tear. But if it's deep... You can't cool that off anyway. And if you did manage to get it cooled off, what's the body going to try to do? Just rewarm. warm it back up. And how's it going to do that? Put blood in with dilation. Right. I said something about dilation earlier. I meant constriction. Right. So if you've got a, if you got a superficial <laughs> muscle belly tear, the ice is good because it provides a little vasoconstriction because of the, the mechanical effects of the cooling, but the rebound effect of that is going to be an increase in circulation. And this is all well and good, but the the basic question is, is how deep can you cool the tissue off? And is that going to be deep enough to actually do something to the area that the chiropractor told you to ice? How deep can you cool? Can you ice your liver no, probably not. You know, I mean, that's a, that's a hell of a lot of heat to get rid of, isn't it? So I, I just don't see the point. If you've got, uh, if you tear a quad, you tear a hamstring, yeah, get some ice on it right now. 20 on, 20 off. 20 on, 20 off. As long as you can stand it. Right? But as far as achy knees and elbows and shit like that, it doesn't. It's just a pain in the ass to try to be ice and shit all the time. It doesn't help. doesn't help. Has anybody ever had a knee helped with ice? Knee tendonitis helped with ice. How many of you guys have tried to ice knee tendonitis? Has it helped? It didn't do shit. didn't do a damn thing. Just waste a bunch of time. That's all it does. Sorry. This is the first news you've had of that. Yeah, it's just a waste of time. Sorry. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess with it. And soreness is an inflammatory process. You're not going to ice delayed onset muscle soreness away. It just doesn't work that way. NSAIDs, you know. But part of the inflammatory process, it's desirable. I mean, it's how the thing's trying to heal up, right? Exactly. How about you not do stupid shit and don't get that sore? Clients like being sore. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know, and, and, and we... Kind of the corporate we have taught them that soreness is good, right? Soreness is not good. Uh, a lot of people will go six months on a novice program and get sore two or three times, and that's all. 
you will not be excruciatingly sore. You can take your squat from 225 to 405 and never be anything but very mildly sore. That's all. Because we don't want to get sore, we want to get stronger. And strength is not provided by soreness. Okay. Um, so I feel like I can convince people to get strong and to use barbell training to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, for the people that aren't transitioning into like a sport or they're not interested in being competitive in barbell sports, um, especially after they've run out the linear progression, what's the best way of keeping them in barbell training? Keep them getting stronger. So do you keep on with the results motivate results motivate you keep a book you show them this number that's going this way that keeps most people interested if it doesn't keep them interested they're not motivated you can't motivate somebody (coughs) they have to motivate themselves you can show them good results you tell them what a wonderful job they're doing even if they're not, lie to them, try to convince them, blah, blah, blah. If people don't want to do this, they're not going to do it. You know, one of the, one of the bad things about what we do here is that not everybody's going to be interested in this. Right? This program is never going to appeal to the broad general population. It should, Right? But it's not going to. Because most people are lazy. The average IQ in this population is 100. You know, those people are not swayed by analysis, logic, that sort of stuff. Right? I think probably the threshold for that is about 120. Right? And you can't make people smarter. Right? This program works every time it's tried, right? Because it's arithmetic. It's like saying, does arithmetic work? Well, yes, it only works when it's used, though, right? So you're not going to retain all your clients, <coughs> right? And you're never going to recruit gigantic numbers, uh, gigantic percentage swaths of the population as clients. Because this type of a program doesn't appeal to everybody. It's hard. It's perceived as boring, isn't it? Because we want to change exercises every workout. Right? Come in. What are we going to do today? Squat? We did that last time. Yeah, I know. But we're going up five pounds. <laughs> yeah, I'm not tired of squatting. Yeah, I know. But we're going to squat anyway. We're going to squat five more pounds, though. You know, and not everybody sees the excitement in that, you know. I mean, there's a lot of more romantic programs out there than the one we've got here, aren't there? Romance is what everybody wants. And this isn't romance. This is just do the work, build the wall, wall gets built. 
Now, there's a wall, right? Walls aren't romantic. <laughs> Oriental gardens are romantic. With <laughs> 95 different kinds of exotic plants. And Oh, look, there's some tame broccoli over there. <laughs> oh, look, there's a koi swimming by in that complicated... That's not what we do. We build walls. We build a nice, big, strong wall, one brick at a time. That's not romantic. So, in other words, there are inherent limitations in this kind of a program to the level of interest people are going to have, right? This kind of a thing does not appeal to everybody's personality type. You know, they're going to have to be a little bit smarter. They're going to have to be a little bit more committed to just come in and do the work. You know, do the same shit with five more pounds. And if you stumble onto the right type of personality, then and you select that person successfully as a client, you're going to have a wonderful, successful relationship with that client. They're going to get strong. They're going to enjoy this stuff. They're going to be better as humans. They're going to be resistant to injury and disease. They're going to get to be uh, productive well into their older years. All the good stuff we know happens as a result of a, of a correctly applied strength program, but it's not going to appeal to everybody. And if you just go ahead and admit that to yourself, you'll be a lot more satisfied with what happens because you're not going to keep them all. Right? Yeah. This motivation question gets asked at every seminar and, you know, it comes in different, different, uh, uh, versions like how do I get my mom and dad to uh, do a barbell strength training program? Maybe you don't. I know we want them to do it, but we don't get to make them do it. They have to want to do it too. And uh, you can't talk them into it. You can't browbeat them into it. You can't make people. Here's the deal. This is so hard to. To, to accept for most adults, and it applies across uh, all human behavior, politics, everything. We don't get to make people act like we want them to act, do we? It's kind of a kind of a pain in the ass. Isn't it? Some people want to smoke meth. <laughs> we don't get to make them not smoke meth. Because they want to smoke meth. Leave them alone. Let them smoke meth. Give them meth. <laughs> Give them meth. Get them out of here. <laughs> but you can't make them not want to smoke meth. <laughs> Hell, I've tried that. It doesn't work. <laughs> they want to smoke meth. Let them smoke meth. We don't get to decide for them how they're going to act. And the same thing applies to people that we know need this program quite desperately. Mm -hmm that would benefit tremendously from a program like this. If they won't do it, don't worry about them and go deal with somebody that will do it, somebody that you can actually help. Because if they're not interested, you can't help them. You can't make them interested if they're not interested. I wish that were not true, but that's true. Does that answer your question? Kind of. Yeah, I mean, as an extension of that, um... I'm wondering what the 
program looks like for um so say like you have like a middle-aged lady or something mm-hmm. and um she's run the linear progression installing out that kind of thing what does the program look like then it looks like an intermediate program okay that's what that means okay <coughs> You're going to find some version of an intermediate program for and her so we're just that taking, fits into her schedule. We're just taking like more conservative kind of jumps um, right. in order to just keep keep making progress. Right. She's not going to make progress every workout anymore. She's going to make progress on what would end up being a weekly basis. Okay. You come up with some permutation of the intermediate type programming where the where the progress is measured in weekly increments instead of daily. Same pro- principles we discussed in the programming lecture. Okay. Okay. 